Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. I'm Michelle, our co-host, Cherry Boy, was running late. So I'm going to get things started, hoping that all is going well and you can hear me. Always, whenever I get started doing this, I always have that moment of, you know, like, okay, can people hear me? Because I'm not really sure how this whole thing works. But I am assuming that you can, and I am going to um, welcome you to Can We Talk For Real. This is your award-winning blog talk radio show. In case you haven't been to our page, um, just recently we received the Community Ally Award from the Black Trans Advocacy Conference. We're very happy and thank you um, for that. Um, we also last year, no, it was two years ago that we won the Esteem Award from the Pride Index, and we want to just um, continue to bring you programming, issues, stories from people who maybe you have not heard from or heard about or things that you're interested in. That's part of our mission, to talk about issues and activities that sometimes are difficult uh, to our community. Okay. So tonight... Well, before we get started, I want to do our disclaimer. Views and opinions expressed on Can We Talk For Real blog talk radio show, host, co-host, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. The host appreciates your opinion and your openness. Can We Talk For Real does not condone disrespect to the show, content, co-host, and or guest. The host or co-host are not counselors and advise you to seek professional consultation if needed. Tonight is one of those shows where, you know, if you're struggling with it or you don't know all the symptoms of lupus, you might want to check with your doctor or find out what it is. We've been fortunate to have people who are on who have been when many people would say, oh, they're challenged, they have this and that, and what we always like about them is that they don't give up. And tonight's guest is just one of those people. So um, before I go on, you know, but this weekend is late a Memorial Day weekend, and usually this time of year we do a show on Memorial with our veterans, and that will take place next week, the day after. But May is Lupus Awareness Month. So we want to wanted to not sign off without talking at least briefly about lupus awareness. Lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that can damage any part of the body, skin, your joints, your organs inside the body. The African Americans are three times more likely than Caucasians to develop lupus and have greater severity 
black women are disproportionately burdened by lupus. I'm waiting for our guest to join us. But one of the things I want to tell you about her, her name is Sharon Harris. And what's interesting about Sharon is I had heard bits and pieces about her. Um, I mean, I of her story um, through different mediums. I mean, I had heard about um, her time in college, and then I had heard about her accomplishments as an advocate, and I also heard going to talk about a couple of businesses. And one of the things that you're going to find from from about Sharon is that she doesn't give up. She has a number of things happen, and she simply does not give up. So I'm going to read a little bit of her bio for you while we wait for her to get on the call. You'll hold on with me for just a moment. Okay. Um, She's the founder and president of Lupus Detroit, and she's going to talk about her her whole journey with it. Okay. All right. Um, and I see that she's on the phone. Um, she was diagnosed uh, first when she went into college. And, I mean, and she had a remission, but she was determined to live her life. And that's the thing that's so amazing about her is that, you know, as many times, I mean, as people have knocked her down or said, you know, oh, you've got this horrible disease, she's never seen herself as a victim. And we said that when one of the titles of our show is like when lupus attacked, she did. She became a warrior. She didn't take it laying down. She didn't go like, oh, I can't make it. She just took it, and really her story is inspirational. So with that, I'm going to bring um, Sharon on the line. Hello, Sharon. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful yourself. Oh, I am so happy to have you on the show, particularly because it's Lupus Awareness Month. And, you know, I know that it it affects our community. But not only, I mean, to talk about lupus awareness, to show that, you know, that you can thrive. And I found, when I read your, your, your bio, I was inspired. It was like I was having one of those days where, you know, I was I was having a pity party. And I read okay. the bio, and I was just like, I was really inspired by it. And I was like, like yeah, 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 she's right. She's going to do it. So with that, um, I'm going to ask you if you would sort of tell people a little bit about your story and how you came mm-hmm. to, you know, and your journey with lupus. Sure. Um, Let me see. My journey. Wow. I was diagnosed in 2002. So my journey probably started about 2000. I was a student at Florida University, and I started to having um, a lot of stomach pains. And so Mm -hmm. I would go to the ER, and the doctor would give me something just to, you know, calm my stomach and send me right back to my dorm room. You know, it's all in your head. You know, we, we, you know, we don't say anything. Just take these pills, and and the pills work. You know, my stomach will, will mm-hmm. be calm, and I, I feel like my um myself again. 
And then, I mean, literally the next weekend, I'm back in the ER room, and mm-hmm. I had to have a colonoscopy because you know, they were trying to get to, to the root of everything. You know, well, what's going on? Why is she having all of these um, gastrointestinal problems? <clears throat> so the colonoscopy came back absolutely clear. And when my family came down for graduation in, um, let's see, December of 2001, my mom and I, we, we play a lot. And she said, Sharon, what's wrong with your face? And I'm like, Mom, what's wrong with your face? And she's like, no, your face is changing colors. Hmm. Um, my, my eyebrows, my nose, and my ears started turning the color of the inside of my hand. And um, I, I didn't know why, you know, but I just took it as being stressed. You know, it was finals. I was trying to get my family down from Detroit to Tallahassee, you know, for graduation, looking for a job, so mm-hmm. I just chalked it up to stress, you know. And another reason, to be honest, I didn't even notice it. I've always been a person mm. to wash my face twice a day, you know, once in the morning and once at night, and never noticed that my face was changing colors, just doing too much, just not being self-aware. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, Mom, when I make it back home, I will see, you know, go to the doctor to see what's going on. And so when I made it back to Detroit, um, I went to a dermatologist. And as soon as she looked at me, she said, you have discoid lupus. I had never heard of lupus before in in my life, you know, never heard of lupus. So it's not something that was in your family. No, no, I'm the only one. I'm the the lucky Mm -hmm. one, you know, that that, that Mm -hmm. has lupus. Mm-hmm. It was none of my family. So she did the blood work and um, she did the skin biopsy. And I just thought the skin biopsy was just so um, inhumane. You know, she took a piece of skin, a piece of meat from my eyebrow and oh. put it in, in a little vial. And I remember sitting on top of that, that cold metal table and just like one single tear trickled, you know, down down my face. And the dermatologist said, she asked me, she said, well, what's wrong? You know, why are you crying? And I just could not articulate it because, you know, it's it's a lot. You know, no one prepares you for a chronic illness. They tell you to, um, you know, go to to school, you know, get good grades, graduate from college, mind your manners, file your taxes. But no one ever says you might have a chronic illness, you know. So, you know, it was scary. Mm -hmm. It was was extremely scary. And on February 4th, 2002, um, both tests came back positive for lupus, lupus of the skin and lupus of the blood. So I have discoid and systemic lupus. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that, that was rough, you know, and that's a day that I'll, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. It's like one of those things, you know, you can remember where you were, you can remember what you had on, what you were doing, you know, that kind of thing. So that's a day that that I'll never forget, you know, um, that day that the doctor called with the diagnosis. And I remember um, – even when I left the doctor's office from having the biopsy and the blood work, I remember walking through Henry Ford's parking deck with my little fist balled up, like, okay, okay, Lupus, you on the rumble, we're going to do this. I've always been spunky. <laughs> I've uh-huh. always been a spunky person. I grew up at, I said, that's my Linwood coming out. I grew up in Linwood and Davidson. So I said, that's just my Linwood right. coming out. But mm-hmm. I just knew I just knew at that moment before I even got the diagnosis, when I had the preliminary diagnosis, I said, well, whatever it is, I'm, I'm just going to fight it. That, you know. But like they say, you be careful what you wish for, because soon after mm-hmm. they put me on medication and like everything just started to come undone. Um, my hair fell out. I'm, I lost thirty pounds in twenty eight days. So that February, I lost thirty pounds in twenty eight days. Um, oh. My knuckles 
they were so swollen that I couldn't put rings on. It hurt to walk down the steps. I couldn't use a can opener. And I remember one day just calling myself, I'm going to just be grown and just wash my face. I took my uh, face towel and just went over my face and touched my eyelashes and just screamed. My eyelashes hurt. Mm-hmm. Everything hurt from the top of my head to the mm-hmm. bottom of my feet. I mean, I was just in pain. You know, I was I was just in so much pain and nobody could understand. And it's true that a lot of people don't understand what's going on because I have an extremely supportive family. I, I always have. And one of my aunties, there was a cartoon in the in the newspaper, so she cut it out and pretty much it um alluded to college graduates being lazy. And she didn't understand that. No, I wasn't I've never been lazy. I was sick. You know, I had this uh-huh. incurable disease, and, you know, I was sick. So um, it, it was rough. It was it was extremely rough going through that patch. And one Wednesday, I was starting to feel better, like months later, like five or six months later, when I started to um, feel better, I went to Bible study one evening, and uh, the pastor said, well, if you can do one thing in life, you know, what, what, would, it, what would it be? You know, what would be your heart's desire? So I said, well, here I am, settled with this illness. The one thing that I would do is travel the world. And so I went home and just that night, it was a Wednesday night, and did a search on the Internet to see who was hiring for, for um, flight attendants. So lo and behold, Northwest was hot, was, had, they had an open house the next day that Thursday. So long story short, by that next Wednesday, I was a flight attendant. Yeah. Because I said, if lupus is going to kill me, it's going to kill me in Aruba. It's going to come for me, uh, you know, at the top of the Eiffel Tower. You know, that that was my thinking. I'm just going to enjoy this. And uh-huh. this is really going to kill me, like they say. You know, we, I'm going to make it worth my while every step of the way. And so I, I did that for um, about six years. I was a flight attendant and, you know, just really had a good time. Didn't have any flares or anything like that. And um, towards the end, the flights going up and down the airplane sort of started to affect my joints. I said, okay, kiddo, well, you have to make another career change. What is it that you would do next? Well, when I was a student at FAMU, I would do eyelashes. And, you know, around that time, what, about 2007, 2008, you know, eyelashes were were very popular, the individual eyelashes. And so I decided I just took everything in my little Chevy Cavalier, and I went back down south to do eyelashes. (laughs) I was was an entrepreneur. I'm just going to do eyelashes. Did your family say ever – did your family ever say, wait a minute, Sharon, you know, you know, are, were they, like, blown away when you said you were going to, first of all, you know, be a flight attendant, and then after that say, I'm just packing up my car and going down there. Did, did they, were they, like, encouraged, did they, were you amazed at your spunk, or did they go, but that's how Sharon lives her life? <laughs> it's so funny that you, um, that you asked that question, because the only one that's always been, kind of amazed. I believe it's my mom. <laughs> she, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's the one that has to deal with it. My aunts and my uncles, they're, they're so supportive. They're like, you know, just live your life, you know, just, just be a good person, just live your life. But I remember my mom was like a flight attendant, you know, and two, I got my job after 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, here I go, oh, I want to be a flight attendant. My mom, of course, because she's a mother, so she was concerned. And especially when I moved back to tell I had to do eyelashes. She's like, well, how are you going to support yourself? And in my mind, I'll be honest, I'm like, well, I'll figure that out when I get there. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a true Aries. I go by the seat of my pants. You know, wherever the spirit takes me, 
and whatever's going to make me. You know, I just I have a, I guess having lupus it makes you have faith that things are just going to work out. But hook or by mm-hmm. crook, things are going to work out. So I packed up my little car and got on down 75 South back to Tallahassee and did eyelashes. And I guess God said, this child is having just too much fun. I had a ball in Tallahassee because I was doing my own thing. You know, if I didn't feel like doing eyelashes in the morning, I didn't have to. You know, I do them in the afternoon. You know, I just, I, was, I just had a ball. And then I had wisdom teeth removed. And any trauma to the body can throw your lupus into a flare. And that's exactly what happened. So um, I just had a terrible time. And Mm -hmm. the Thanksgiving of 08, my mom came down. And when I tell you I had the butterfly rash that was so prominent on my face, that's what I mean. You know, the symbol for lupus is the butterfly. That's because of Mm -hmm. the butterfly rash, the the discoid lupus. Um, on, On your cheeks. Your cheeks represent the butterfly's wings, and both of mine were white. Both of my cheeks are white, and the bridge of your mm. nose is the, is the butterfly's body. And I had a very prominent um, lupus rash on my face. You know, in Tallahassee, still in November, still 90 degrees. I was walking around Tallahassee mm-hmm. in a wool coat because I'm cold. You know, I'm, I'm freezing. Mm-hmm. I'm freezing. The hair started to come out again, and I just started to be very, very weak, very weak. And I had to, my family had to move me back home. And when I say I was devastated, that's probably an understatement. You know, I was just so, I, I was angry, you know, and I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I kept my car packed with, with all my TVs, my radios. I just kept my car packed up because I just knew that God was going to heal my body. And I'd be able to return to Tallahassee to live my quote-unquote dream, or the dream that I thought it was, you know, at the time. And so um, I went through that, and for about six months, that for about six months I couldn't walk. You know, it's very humbling to have um, your twenty-something-year-old male cousin having to pick you up and put you on the toilet because you can't do it for mm-hmm. yourself. You know, so it was. Um, you know, I've always been very independent. I'm an only child, so I've always been extremely independent. But when you are facing something like this, you better accept help from anybody who offers it. You know, because each day is different. Each day is different. Some days you can't lift your arms. I remember my mom, my mom and I used to spoon. She would just wrap me in her body. Oh. Because you know, sometimes I would be so cold. Yeah, you know, my, my mom and I used to spoon, as I call it. You know, like she said, just, just for the body heat, you know, just for the body heat, a mother's love, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was very, it was extremely rough, you know. Um. So around that time, I started to feel better, and I said, well, let me, you know, go out here and find a job. You know, let's, let's find a job. And so I've always been a person that likes to represent. You know, I, I'm a graduate of Renaissance High School, so I have Renaissance T-shirts, and I have FAMU T-shirts, I have Detroit T-shirts. <laughs> so I said, well, let me go find, let me go find me a lupus T-shirt. And so I called um, a lupus organization, you know, just for directions, because I've always lived west. But this organization was all the way east, and to me that was like another world, you know, going that far across Woolworth. And so mm-hmm. once I got there, the executive director at the time, he and I, you know, were just making small talk in, in the office. And he said, well, what's your background? So I said, well, you know, journalism, you know, I've done public relations. I um, was an on-air DJ. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, you know, we're looking for an intern. You know, in my mind, I'm like, I am 30 years old. Who about to be an intern? But I wasn't doing anything, you know, at the time. And so I said, sure, you know, I'll come in. I'll do it for free. You know, he's like, well, forward me your resume. 
And so I forwarded him my resume, and he said, he called me back, and he said, you know what, Sharon, we have to pay you. And I said, well, look at God. Because, you know, people will go through any lens not to pay you. <laughs> you, you know, and, and here's this man is like, oh, well, you know, with these credentials, we have to pay you. I say, yeah, I'm, you know, you get an argument out of me, <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so I started with that organization. And within my first year, I was able to gather $1 million in sponsorships, grants, and publicity. Um, the, That was the first year that their walk had had um, a major Radio sponsorship, um, the old 107.5 before it converted over, they were our uh, media sponsor that year for the walk. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was really fortunate. God, God really used me to do a lot of great things at that organization, you know, more visibility, uh, more people attending events. So, you know, I just, I just really enjoyed it. I totally enjoyed my time at that organization. And then, you know, as I grew, I thought, wow. People need more than just information. You know, what's the use of having a lupus brochure when you have an eviction notice on your door? You know, people mm-hmm. need things. And this was during the time that Detroit was going through its bankruptcy. And, you know, with lupus, you have periods of remission and flares. And so when a lupus warrior goes into a flare, you know, they may be off for two weeks to two years. Who knows? And in that time, they need financial help. So, you know, I prayed about it. and. I heard God saying, just take that step out on faith and just start Lupus Detroit. And so in January of 2012, that's what I did. I started Lupus Detroit. And um, it's been great. It's been phenomenal. We're in our fourth year. We've been awarded a Spirit of Detroit Award by the City Council President, uh, Brenda Jones. We've been Mm -hmm. mentioned in Essence Magazine. I've been on the front page of the Detroit Free Press's uh, health section, um, CBS News, their online edition. It's really been a blessing, and I always say that um, it is, it, it's a ministry from God because I didn't ask for lupus, but I'm glad that I'm obedient, you know, that I can go forward mm-hmm. with his will and you know, how he wants me to assist lupus warriors, you know, and it's very gratifying and it makes me very happy. To know that we can help people like that, you know, to pay somebody's $800 mortgage for the month. You know, that's that's, that's great to know that we've saved mm-hmm. someone from being homeless and their children. And these doctor's bills are, are no joke. You know, I had a stroke. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention that. I had a stroke in um, August, August 5th of last year. I had a stroke. And that mm-hmm. doctor's bill was five digits, <laughs> you know, and to have this organization mm-hmm. where I can't. I can't be awarded a uh, an emergency financial grant because that's in our bylaws. And how about the IRS called us, well, called me rather, and, and asked if I can ever award myself a grant. And, of course, the answer was no. So here I am, you know, helping all these people, you know, and then uh, but can't help myself. I mean, which is fine, you know, in terms of not being able to accept a grant from Lupus Detroit, which is fine. I knew that going into it. But just being able to serve the community and be of service is wonderful. You know, it's, it's totally wonderful. And to encourage other people. You know, so that's, sure, that's you know and I think that, that, that's great that you do. Um, I guess that one of the things that, you know, you didn't, like you said, you had no idea this was coming. It just sort of, you know, you had this flare up. Is there any type of, like, 
screening that people, you know, that, that I'm sure that people are, are out there wondering, like, well, I don't want this to happen to me, but is there any type of right. screening that will detect it? I'm not, so much, I'm not so much screening, but there are symptoms. A lot mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, lupus is a hard, di- a hard disease to diagnose because its symptoms mimic those of other autoimmune diseases. And, you know, there's over 120 autoimmune diseases. Um, but with lupus, some of the symptoms um, are a low-grade fever, um, joint and muscle pain, Fatigue, and, and not just tired. Fatigue is like 10 paces beyond tired because you know, everyone gets tired. But mm-hmm. fatigue to the point where you cannot get up to do anything, that's that's the kind of fatigue that, that I'm referring to. Um, when you're sensitive mm-hmm. to the sunlight um, or a rash, like the lupus rash that I had a, across my face, because that's when it was detected, when it started manifesting on my face. See, the ER doctors in Tallahassee, they didn't have the wherewithal to say, well, let's do some blood work because mine could have been detected earlier. And also a very telling sign is if a person has protein in their urine, mm-hmm. and that that's when your kidneys are spilling too much protein. And a lot of times, well, most times, if a person has too much protein in their urine, um, when they urinate, it'll be bubbly, frothy. Mm-hmm. And that's an indication of too much protein in the urine. And I also notice when I speak with um, lupus warriors that something traumatic has happened in their lives or some kind of trauma to the body has happened right before the lupus diagnosis or even a flare. Like some folks, some women have said that, you know, they're going through a divorce. Others have said that their lupus manifested after childbirth. And for me, it was just an unbelievable amounts of stress that I put on myself. For instance, I was a full-time student, and at one point I had three jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Sharon, why? It's so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just just so unnecessary. But a lot of it is brought on by stress. Well, you know, and I think that I can recall, like, years ago, I, I had a coworker, and um, she had an accident, but then she been or she came back. She didn't seem to be getting back, and then she was off. And I know that she, when she got ready to come back, and like you know how the the work, water cooler grapevine. Oh, she's got this disease, lupus, and oh, all like yeah. that. And I know that okay, where we were working, I think there was like three of us who were black, and the rest of them were white. And I know that mirrors mm-hmm. this fear amongst the white people. Like, oh, this is something we're going to catch. What is this? And she's got this rash. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. The rest of us, we sort of like went online to find out what's going on, what can we do to help mm-hmm. her and everything like that. When you right. were going through that, like in, in school and doing it, did you find that you, and even in your roles with Lupus Detroit, do you find that you have to do that education to people about this is what it is? And, you know, and this is, you know, do you, do you still find you doing a lot of that that education? And how important is that education to to be in the African American community because, like you said, it wasn't in your family. You mm-hmm. had you didn't know anywhere about it. You happened to be someplace where you didn't even have doctors who knew what to right. talk about. Mm-hmm. So, what type of education needs to be out there, or is there out there for people in the Black community sure. so they mm-hmm. know? Right. Sure. Now, prior to the diagnosis, like I said, I didn't. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I didn't even know it, it was mm-hmm. lupus. So when it started manifesting on the face, that's when it was determined um, that I had lupus. 
And I had to do a lot of educating, <laughs> you know, once I was diagnosed mm-hmm. because no one was familiar with lupus, and especially in my family. And before the hair started coming out and before the face started changing colors, you know, it was just, oh, she's tired. But when that physical change started to occur, it was like, oh, well, let us pay, you know, more attention and really take heed to what she's trying to explain to us. And one thing I always notice that I have noticed in African-American communities, we don't talk, you know. We would rather put grandma in a hospital bed in the living room and leave her there and say, you know, she has the sugar. When it's a lot more, it's a lot deeper. Mm. So we most definitely need to share with each other our, our struggles and so we know what to look for, you know. I once, I was in the library once, and I was speaking to the librarian now. This is the librarian about lupus. And she asked me if lupus was a place in Hawaii where they drop people off. Ah, uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where she got that from. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. So you know that that was a great that was a teachable moment there. No, ma'am, that's not uh-huh. what lupus is. It's not an island. Well, if if that's the case, somebody told me wrong all these years about lupus. Well, you know what she was she was she was probably thinking about leper colonies. Oh, you know. Gotcha. And leprosy mm-hmm. is a totally different thing, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, wow. ma'am, it, it sure is, yeah. So it's a lot of education. So, you know, Lupus Detroit, we got literature and brochures, you know, that we take to doctor's offices and, you know, any restaurant or beauty salon or church that allows us to leave them because we all know in the African-American community the way to get things out is through church. You know, mm-hmm. when people congregate in the hair salon and the barbershops and things like that. But there's still a long way to go because people still can't name, I mean, not just lupus, one autoimmune disease. You know, other ones are like mm-hmm. vasculitis, multiple sclerosis, and diseases such as those. But so much still and it's so prevalent, like you said, in our community that people just need to talk, you know, and, and not make assumptions, you know, like your coworkers did. Um, with, mm-hmm. with your coworker, you know, because assumptions, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what they say about assumptions, you know, you, you shouldn't do yeah, it. And yeah. two, lupus affects mm-hmm. people different ways. You know, my symptoms may not like be may not be like someone else's symptoms. You know, mm-hmm. not not everyone experiences the hair loss. Not everyone ex- experiences the extreme fatigue. You know, and especially when women start taking the well, women and men start taking the medication, the prednisone, it can really fatten a person up. And they may feel some kind of way about their appearance. You know, prednisone, that's a, that's a drug a lot of people try to stay away from because it makes you gain weight. One of my lupus warriors says she has every size from a size 16 to an 18 in her closet. Mm. So the prednisone, you know, her, her weight will fluctuate. So it really takes a lot of understanding from uh, from the community and even from family members. You wouldn't believe how many of my members say that their parents didn't believe that they were sick and, you know, would mm-hmm. go as far as to call them out of their names. How hurtful is that? Mm-hmm. You know, here you are mm-hmm. going through so much and your mother wants to call you out of your name. You know, it's it's very difficult living with lupus, extremely difficult, because you don't know how you're going to feel one day to the next. You know, as example, um, me with the stroke, I was totally fine that Tuesday before the stroke, totally fine. I went to a restaurant, and we were eating. The next morning, I didn't know where I was. Mm. You know, the, the next morning, it was difficult for me to speak. I stopped speaking. 
So it, it you know it really changes. You know it really changes literally from hour to hour with the lupus. In the morning I could feel phenomenal, but by noon I just want to go home and lay down. You know it's it's a very very difficult disease, and when it affects men, and when men are diagnosed, it hits them harder for some reason that we that doctors haven't and researchers haven't figured out. But when men are diagnosed with lupus, it, it's a lot more um, it's a lot more extreme mm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you know, I mean, you talk about your family and being your support system, and mm-hmm. I mean, when you came back and you you know, and especially the fact that your mother is like, okay, you know, you're gonna you're gonna go be an airline a flight attendant, <laughs> and then you're gonna go do eyelashes. Mm-hmm. And and know you need to come home, but it sounds like you have this really strong support support team. And are they like for vigilant? Like okay, like maybe a, like your mother noticed your skin changing, but mm-hmm. now like mm-hmm. you know, is something? Do you find that they catch something happening with you before you do sometimes? You know what? No, and and the reason mm-hmm. why I say no is because. I've always been very active, and in mm-hmm. my family's mind, let her do what she. You know, I, I love to support. You know, I love to go here and support so and so at their grand opening. I love to support this person's nonprofit. So my family says, "Do what you do, but you be careful." You know, mm-hmm. if you're sleepy, you, you know, if you need to rest, you rest. Whereas my mom is just always on edge. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. she she she's comes. I guess she, you know, in almost forty years, she pretty much knows her daughter. You know, so my mom, she, I say, Lord, I keep her on her knees praying because cause I like to go. I'm active. You know, I, I do things. Uh-huh. I say, oh my goodness, I just keep my poor mother on her knees praying, praying for me. But um, but a lot has changed, especially since the struggle. Because who wants to go through that again? So uh-huh. I really had to because I don't want that to happen again. That was scary. You know, everyone, friends, family alike were concerned and alarmed. So I had to switch some things up. And so I've had that come to Jesus, talk with myself. You can't go everywhere. You can't be all things to all people. And furthermore, when you were a flight attendant, you remember in your speech you would say you put on your own oxygen mask first before you help somebody That's else. That's right. Mm-hmm. Help yourself first. How about that? So my mind has totally did, it's done a 180 shift because I don't want to be here. You know, I always say I got mm-hmm. a lot of hell to raise in this life. So I had to get my act together in order to be helpful and supportive to other people. And so a lot of um, what I do derives from me just, just having faith that things are, are going to happen for, for the best. I've always believed that. And it's so funny because when I was in Tallahassee, I was an on-air DJ. And I really wanted to do like one of the, urban mix shows, you know, with the, well, I thought I did, you know, with the Lil Wayne and the Juvenile and all that good stuff, you know. But to get mm-hmm. your foot in the door, you had to, well, you didn't have to, but it was recommended that you started doing, you know, the gospel shift in the morning. No one wanted to do the gospel shift. I've never been a morning person. And gospel shift from was 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. So what happened, I started on the gospel shift, and I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was great being uplifted and encouraged that early in the morning. And believe it or not, when I got sick and those times when I couldn't talk but I can think and meditate, that's what helped me. My mind went back to the songs by Karen Clark Sheard, Fred Hammond, No Weapon Formed Against Me, Dorinda, Dark, Dorinda Clark Cole, 
That's where my mind went. See, that's what I needed mm-hmm. at that moment versus, you know, Lil Wayne, the black is hot. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that kept me encouraged. That kept me going for the times when I got sick. And then people are always amazed because even with lupus, I've, I've never been depressed. Because it's some kind of, I don't know where it gets, well, probably from my mom, it's some, some fight in me. And I know that whatever I'm going through, God is going to make it better. It's, it's, it's going to get better, you know. And just like my decision, I mean, that simple decision not to go to the Urban Mix show but to stay and do gospel, you know, everything is just a building block. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have those songs, those memories to encourage me as I went forward in the Lupus Detroit ministry. So it's really all about just um, keeping yourself encouraged and knowing that it's going to be a better day. It has to be a better you know, day. It's written. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in some ways, like, okay, I mean, you've done so much. And, you you know, you're an advocate. You really are. And, you know, you're saying that I was reading how you, you've done TV, you've done radio, you did the PBS mm-hmm. show, you're part of that. You've, you've um, gone before Congress and the Food and Drug Administration. So even though you've got to take care of yourself, in some ways you've become almost like, the poster child for lupus. <laughs> do you ever have? I mean, do you ever have days when it's like you know, can't somebody else step up and talk about this? Or how do you get yourself back into that when that when that day comes and okay, you've got to take to do that self care, but then they're calling you. They're calling you. That advocacy calls, and maybe it's not with the news or or television or radio, but it's somebody who's calling through Lupus Detroit who's not at that point, and they need that advocacy from you for them to be a warrior. How do you, what do you do? Do you ever have a day where you want to hand it off? How do you do that? Where do you, you know, I hear part of where you're digging, you're digging deep mm-hmm. from that, but sometimes physically it just has to be almost impossible for you. Mm-hmm. I love it. You're asking all the right questions. I'm so serious. No one has ever <laughs> asked me that, but I'm serious you're asking all the right questions. No one has ever asked me that before. So funny, I was just sharing this with a friend over the weekend. My sister gets tired. <laughs> uh-huh. I, uh-huh. It is draining. I mean, and don't get me wrong, it, it is very draining because I've always been a giver. Even as a child, I was, my mother used to say, you'll give this whole house away if I let you. And she was right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I would. You know, I've always been a giver. And like you said, I, I get tired. And I, I've always, um, well, I've mentioned recently to people that I would much rather uh, play the background, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because all people see is me showing up smiling with my um, switch flipped. You know, my switch is on, I'm on. But, see, people uh-huh. don't see the emails that I get from members 2, 3 in the morning. Um, you know, my mom has cancer. Um, I can't make my insurance on my car. My son has been diagnosed with leukemia. And, see, 2, 3 in the morning, you know, I'm rocking and reeling trying to figure out how to get this person help. So at this at this point, it's really about me managing my time so my stress level isn't through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that does mean just, just pulling back a little bit. And I tell you what, um, I got a new cell phone, and what I didn't do is install the apps where I would get my emails. I didn't. I, I don't get my emails to my phone anymore because what I would do, mm-hmm. once an email came to my Lupus Detroit inbox, I would drop everything and tend to it. 
Like, and people don't realize that I do have a, a nine-to-five day job. But you see, when they see me, they just see Lupus Detroit. But I really mm-hmm. do have a, a real live, you know, nine-to-five day job. And I mean, I would just stop everything and just send to my Lupus Detroit email. So, of course, during the day, that's increasing my anxiety, you know, because I have to help this person right now, 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 now. And I, I had to start saying to myself, Sharon, the same God that helped you will help that person. Finish what you're doing at work and then tend to the emails. But it's it's difficult to balance. I, I'm not going to tell a story. It is difficult to balance. Like you said, sometimes I'm just not for it because because I'm human. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. outside of Lupus Detroit and outside of my day job, I still want to have a life too, right? Uh-huh. So it's very important just to take time for self. And what I've started doing is just crossing days off of my calendar, weekend days, that are just for me. I'm sorry, but I can't come to your book signing. I'm sorry, but I can't support you in whatever you're doing. Because self-time is very important. That's vital. You know, like you said, you have to be there for yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if people mm-hmm. don't understand, you know, they, they just don't understand. But I love meeting, you know, newly diagnosed folks who don't know which way to turn. Because remember, I was there too. Mm-hmm. I was there, you know, at, at one point, And I didn't have anybody to talk to. You know, I don't know anybody with lupus when I was diagnosed. And so, you know, with those folks, I just just talk to them. You just have to meet people at their point of need. You know, and and thank goodness now that we're to the point where, you know, we have a couple of resources and just um, a wide family of lupus warriors that I can, you know, connect them with. Because all people want is to know that someone else understands. You know, no one understands another lupus warrior like another lupus warrior. They just want someone to know. Um, what they're going through, and just to ensure that they understand. You know, I can walk up to the average Joe Will on the street and say, you know, I had mouth ulcers from lupus. All they can do is empathize. Uh (laughs) You know, they don't know what that is or what that means. But I love when I meet the newbies with with, with lupus, you know, because I'm like, yeah, okay, here's somebody else that we can encourage and, you know, make them feel good, and they can do that to the next person. It's just a cycle. We just help each other. We just love on each other. And that was one of the reasons why we created um, our monthly support group meetings. And so every fourth Saturday, no matter what's going on, on in the world, you know, you can go to the support group meeting, and you can get a hug, and you get loved on. Because a lot of people don't have that. And by me always having a support system, silly me, I didn't know that people, that all people didn't have that. You know, that was an eye opener mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of it, you know, it's, it's pretty much with me is that I, I learn as I go. But, too, you treat people like you want to be treated. And I am. There are some people that I am grooming so they can be out front because, yes, ma'am, I'm tired. I am. Mm-hmm. I just rather mm-hmm. play the back. <laughs> do, you yeah, find, my, now, mm-hmm. do you find – are, are doctors more knowledgeable now? or And as part of Lupus Detroit, are you like sort of like if you find a doctor who knows and, and gets it, are you like sort of like putting them on, on, on your resource list? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, there are two doctors on our um, medical advisory board. One is the head of rheumatology at Henry Ford, and the other is the director of the vasculitis clinic that are very, and one of them happens to be my doctor, that are very um, well-spoken, well, you know, when it comes to lupus. So I'm always on, on the lookout 
and I'm already always ear hustling, you know, to see what doctors, lupus warriors are um, are seeing and that they're happy with. Because I do, I get a lot of inquiries for rheumatologists and dermatologists. So I said, like you said, I just keep my little list, and mm-hmm. sometimes it work out, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, but just to know that right. that a person has options. And what's the Affordable Care Act? Is that one of the things? Is that is that a a resource and a help to people who are who have lupus? Because I hear you're talking about your medical bills. I hear you mm-hmm. saying that you have people who are coming to you, and you're it's like between their mortgage and their Medicaid. Has that mm-hmm. opened the doors and been of help to to lupus warriors? You know, I can only speak for myself, and and for me, honestly, it has, because I've mm-hmm. been caught out there before without insurance, and have gotten the astronomical <laughs> hospital bill, and mm-hmm. I can't talk about the hospital bill without talking about the medication. I was also caught out there once without. Um, insurance to afford my medications. And one of my medications was $3,000 a month. Mm. And I said, that's a, that's a healthy, hefty fee to stay alive. Mm-hmm. You know, and with that Affordable Care Act, it helps some of us, um, but I'm pretty sure just by reading some people's Facebook statuses that, that it didn't. Mm-hmm. Because everyone has, has a different need. And some lupus warriors, you know, they don't work, so they can't afford it. And what mm. I always suggest that that yeah yeah that that's that's another thought you know even if you did get a good premium you know through the Affordable Care Act you know it doesn't do you any good if you can't afford it each month on top of your car note on top of your rent on top of your children's needs and I just you know it's 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 a shame it, it's sad that we live in one of the greatest nations in the world but. People are suffering because they can't get their medication. People aren't lazy. People want to work the resources to get them where they need to go. So I always encourage patients when they cannot afford their medication. You know, a lot of um, drug companies offer patient assistance programs, so that's what I had to do Uh when I needed that $3,000 a month medication. I applied for the patient assistance program, and I received the medications for free. So there are resources out there, and unfortunately, some doctors don't provide the resources. So hopefully folks can make their way to lupusdetroit.org and reach out to us, and we'll tell you everything we know. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here for, you know, as a resource to provide some relief, because it's tough. It is tough. You know, it's tough when you Mm -hmm. have the disease, and especially tough when you don't have that support. So a lot more um, needs to be reformed with health insurance, especially medications, you know. And it's sad because the medications may cost, what, a dime to make, but they're selling them to us for $3,000? I know. That's just crazy. (laughs) You know, that much to stay alive, you know, just to stay alive and just be functional. When you went before Congress and the FDA, did you talk, well, Mm -hmm. I mean, were you were you able to articulate that about the cost of it, and what was their response? And it was like, oh, well, that's horrible, you know. Or did you really mm-hmm. you really feel that there's something for someone heard? You know, I would always like to think that someone heard. Um, we're actually there speaking speaking about the cost of medication. When I was, it was myself, and we were from different places around the world. There were three of us in total. 
And so I had two minutes, and, and they had me on the stopwatch, honey. They had me on the stopwatch. I had two minutes exactly just to speak my piece. So, of course, you know, I spoke about um, how I had to apply for the patient assistance program and um, how it, it really helped me. However, medications are too high. Who has $3,000? Some people don't make that in a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so I spoke about that. So I'm hoping, um, and truth be told, as high, it seems like the medications are higher now than it was when I went back in, what, 2012 to speak. You know, so it really takes for more lob- lobbying and, and advocating, which is what I intend to do. You know, I do have the day job, but I'm actively seeking and researching for grant money for startup, you know, nonprofits. You know, we're doing such a great work, mm-hmm. but I don't want to take a paycheck from the nonprofit. I want all the money that's mm-hmm. there to go to helping our, our members. That's just where my heart is, you know. And so don't don't worry. Once I can do this full time, as I tell people, it's on the popping. You know, mm-hmm. because that's what's important to me, having affordable meals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking about African-Americans, but, like, people who are um, across the African diaspora, like African-Caribbean, people in the African-Caribbean, mm-hmm. do that, is lupus there? Is it, is it in other countries? I mean, it's in other ethnic groups, um, minorities, mm-hmm. um, Asian, Native American, of course, African American, mm. Hispanic. Yeah, so it, it goes a, across the board, and it can affect anyone um, really at, at any time. We got a call recently where a woman's 72-year-old mother was just diagnosed. And, you know, wow. the daughter was all, yeah, the daughter was broken up. I said, man, think of it like this. Your mother has enjoyed 70 years, 72 years <laughs> of living her life the way that she wanted to. And even now, her mother's um, lupus was very mild, you know, like extremely mild. But her daughter, which which is understandable, was really broken up about it because that's your mom. You know, mm-hmm. that's her mom. She doesn't want to see her mom struggle. And, of course, I'm sure, and they tell you once you're initially diagnosed, please don't go Google <laughs> because you hear all the <laughs> horror stories. You know, they always say, uh-huh. do not Google when you're initially diagnosed, because you'll go read all that stuff, and then you get sad and angry and, you know, all of these emotions. And so that's what that's what she did. And I said, you have to realize, your mother has enjoyed 72 years. That lupus is not going to be what's going to take her out, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, lupus is um, anyone can contract it, usually in your childbearing years between the ages of uh, 15 and 44. And what people don't realize that lupus, more people have lupus than cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, uh, sickle cell anemia, and cystic fibrosis combined. Wow. Combined. You know, there's 2 million people in the U.S. have lupus and 5 million people around the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, literally, it can, it can, anybody can be affected by lupus and just not the patient is affected. You know, the whole family is affected. Like you said, at the, at the job. And unfortunately, a lot mm-hmm. of lupus warriors can't hold down a job because of their attendance. You know, it's so sporadic. But you don't know you're going to feel well. And when mm-hmm. you're not going to feel well. So it's, you know, it's, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, and I'm, I want to learn more about pre-disabled, but you know what? How the pretty disabled came from people who have chronic illness. And like you said, if they have, some people have lupus and they can't work, can they qualify, you know, to get on, 
to, to get disability or, you know, if you just can't work? Or is it because, are you limited because people go out, or sometimes you can't, you know? So mm-hmm. is it something that people normally, uh, you know, many people will end up going off on disability if they if they don't, um, if they can't get it under control or they they have a long time between their flare-ups when they can work? Or do many people, much like you, you know, like you you grabbed life by the horns and said, okay, mm-hmm. well, I can live, I can live. What do you find people doing? Is it a combination? Um, it's it's a combination. A lot of folks do file for disability, and they get denied time after time after time, mm-hmm. and it's so sad. I mean, it, it's so sad because, and a lot of them have been my, my friends. And it's so sad because I can look at them and tell that they aren't well. <laughs> you know, I can look at them. But it's like you literally have to have one and a half feet in the grave before they'll, they'll uh-huh. give you disability. You know, I have friends that have applied uh-huh. three times with, with an attorney and, and, and have been denied. You know, and it's really sad because if you're married, it can possibly put a strain on your marriage. You know, whereas you, you know, where you were used to that two-income household, now it's down to one income. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's very difficult for for some families to manage. And then there are others like me that can hold down full-time jobs. You know, and then there are others who may work for for two months, and then they're off uh, for for two years. So you know, each lupus case is different. We're, we're like snowflakes. Everyone's symptoms and, and case is different. But disability um, can be an option, but it can be so difficult, and the process can can take years for you to actually qualify and be given uh, offered disability. You know, and that that's frustrating too. So you know, mm-hmm. all that time you still have to go to the doctors, and a lot of doctors won't see you unless you have medical insurance. And so, you know, some folks that don't acquire uh, don't um, they don't meet the requirements for say the Medicare and the Medicaid. So that whole, it, it's it's just, you know, you have to see what they say, get in where you fit in. You really have to see what you qualify for. And I would say don't stop when it comes to, to the disability. Keep trying. You have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Just keep trying for disability if that's the route that you choose to go. Now, you know, it's interesting how you said, you know, how the strain of cause on the marriage. But, I mean, I can imagine, too, if you're a parent, you know, mm-hmm. To be able to, how do you, you know, how do you do that with, with, you know, to tell your kids, mommy can't do, mommy can't play today. Yeah. Um, is that something that Lucas Detroit has? Do you do like the whole family things? And I imagine too, if you have a child who's looking and go like, well, what's this mean? How? I mean, is there some type of? Yeah. Do you have a counseling component for families and particularly for kids who need to understand? You know what what's going on with with their parent and how they can be of help, but also how they can see the strength, see the warrior in their parent. Yeah, great question. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, we do have a couple of counselors that we can um, refer our members to when they're having difficulty. You know, like you said, they, I don't have children, but a lot of my warrior friends do have children, and you know, and, and and they cry, and with good reason, because mm-hmm. when your child is being awarded in the spelling bee or they have a football or a basketball game, naturally you want to be there. But that fatigue has you in its grips, and it just won't let you go. It's, it's no way for you to be there. 
And I can only imagine that that's tough, not being able to see your child in these pivotal moments, you know, in, in their lives. And we do have support group meetings, you know, for families. They can meet other families and kind of express, you know, and lean on each other when the affected parent is going through a flare. And, you know, a lot of times some of the parents will show up to the affected parent's child's event function to support them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they know that they're that they're not alone. But just even in conversation with some of my warrior friends, it's extremely difficult because you want to be there. That's your child. And, you know, some of the events are just you know, like prom, you know. You know, if the child is fortunate, they pass out of classes, they won't do that again, you know, graduation. You know, some of them are uh-huh. just one-time affairs. You know, and it, it's hurt. You know, it's hurtful to even hear of things like that since my family was so present in my life. And kids need support at any age. Children need support. You know, you just uh-huh. pray they don't take on that um the attitude, well, you know, my mom doesn't even care to show up, but we need them to understand it's because their mom is struggling with this illness or their dad is struggling with this illness. That's what's keeping them from attending. So, yeah, I, I get that question um, quite a bit, especially if the parent was diagnosed when, say, the child is in, in their teen years because they're so used mm-hmm. to their parents being there, you know, for them providing and being active in their lives and participating. And now they're 15 and abruptly the parent has to cease or slow down. You know, that's that's heart-wrenching for a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I like the whole idea about the pretty disabled. And, I, you know, oh, there's yeah. something, I mean, it, it sounds like there's also such strength in it. And I like how you have mm-hmm. your T-shirt and forces to some and remind others that they're warriors and divas. And I like mm-hmm. it because it, it's, it's, it's saying I'm not a victim. You know, I'm a warrior, you know, and, yeah. and I, how did you, what made you come up with that idea to do that? Um, you know, for, for each reason that, that you just just mentioned, I remember mm-hmm. um, just sitting there in a doctor's office, and I, I just always hear the word patient. It just, it just sounds so helpless to me, sounds like a weakling to me. You know, I'm <laughs> not a patient, I'm a warrior. You know, I can, you know, whatever comes my way, I can defeat it. You know, everything negative or crazy is is, is beneath my feet. You know, I can I can overcome everything, you know. I can make it happen. And and quite as it's kept, I have never liked the word diva. I have never liked that uh-huh. word for some reason. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, you know, you know uh-huh. and that's how, you know, so that's how your friends, you know, affectionately refer to you. You know, sometimes it's diva. I'm like, Lord, Jesus. Yeah. But they uh-huh. mean it in such a great way that I wouldn't dare say, don't call me that. And I remember um, one day I was sitting in the nephrologist's office, and I remember looking around, and I got a little teary because I said, oh, my goodness, I am the youngest person in here by about 40 years. I was about 22, 23, <clears throat> excuse me, and I was the youngest person in the nephrologist's office. And it's like, dang, girl, you're missing out on this, you're missing out on that. You, you know, the, the adversary just started playing with my mind, telling me everything that I'm missing out on. And here I am, you know, and I just wouldn't let myself just slip to that down in the dumps feeling. I said, you know what, I just refuse. I just refuse. And then it just came to me, like, just create a T-shirt line, pretty, disabled, you know, kind of like a, a play on words, 
you know, yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. disabled, you know. And so the whole mm-hmm. warrior, I knew I was going to have warrior, but women seemed to really like the diva concept. And what I did is with the ribbon and either warrior or diva beneath the ribbon, I made them an orange. Now, the shirt was, was white, but the ribbon was an orange, purple, red, and pink. So pink was for breast cancer. Red was for heart awareness. The purple was for either lupus or, say, domestic violence awareness. And the orange was for lupus or multiple sclerosis. And so, say, like if two folks were, say, like in the grocery store and they had on the shirts, that could start a dialogue so we can understand each other better. You know, so if I saw your red ribbon and you saw my orange ribbon, hey, what's your red ribbon for? Oh, blood. Oh, okay. Heart. Oh, heart awareness. You know, I can explain to you what lupus is. You can tell me more about heart awareness. So it was really for for dialogue so we can stop being so afraid of each other mm-hmm. and just talk to each other, smile at each other, getting on an understanding. And so we won't be around the, 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 um, the water cooler snickering and saying that, you know, and making up falsehoods about one another. And so I, I started that T-shirt line um, some some years ago, and we had a nice T-shirt opening, and it, it was great. And what Black Magazine covered the event, and the shirt sold really well. We have a couple left. Now, I just, you know, make them to order, you know, nowadays because I'm mm-hmm. so I'm consumed by, with Lupus Detroit. That takes up a lot of my mm-hmm. time. But the shirts did, did really, really well, and I'm, I'm really happy. You know, because people, I guess people are like me, too. They like to represent, so they put on their warrior and their diva mm-hmm. shirt. Mm-hmm. And you know what I thought, too, about it when I was reading that? It's you not know, like often, I mean, I've been with friends who, who are disabled. But if okay. you don't, okay, if they park in, a, in the disabled place and they don't get out and they're not broke down and looking like someone, mm-hmm. you know, I've mm-hmm. had this, say like, you know, someone asked me, was I really disabled or should I be there? And, you know, there's also that perception that people have. It's like, you know, that no, like you said, you're not a patient, you're not a victim, but sometimes people expect, oh, you have to be like all broke down or something, and that, that whatever is challenge that you have in your life, that it's going to break you. And when I saw that, and that's what I thought, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. pretty disabled. Not no, not broken down. Yeah, yeah. I might be pretty disabled, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty. You know, <laughs> you're right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, you know? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah, so, so you 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 got where where I was going with it. And see, I have a handicap mm-hmm. placard, and mm-hmm. my honoriness was going to hinder me from um, renewing it. But it took one of my friend girls in Tallahassee to say, Sharon, you get that that placard because you never know when you're going to need it. And I said, okay. So, you know, I pondered because, I mean, really, who wants to um, come across as sick, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went on and, and, and renewed it. And I'm so glad that I did because, really, some way, some days my legs feel like logs. I just cannot get out the car. And no one has ever approached me yet regarding the, um, uh, you know, regarding me parking in the handicap spot with my placard, but I'm waiting on the day, honey, because I keep Ruby Detroit information in my bag. I'm waiting mm-hmm. on the day. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, let, let me tell you about lupus. You know, but some of my, my friends have, have been approached. And I guess, too, I, I claim it because I like not um, being the typical disabled person. You know, because we we all came come in all kind of um, 
in, in all in all, in all abilities. You know, all people with disabilities, you know, we have varying degrees of abilities. You know, and I just so happen to be able to, you know, live a quote-unquote normal life, work 40 hours a week, you know, plus doing other things. So it's, um, yeah, just, just more understanding uh, among people with, with disabilities and people without them. You know, since, you know, that that time when you talk about how you went to to the doctor who sort of said that there was nothing that he could do and patted you on your back and basically said, yeah. you know, hey, good luck. Have you yeah. have you ever been seeing that doctor again or have you ever in your mind played a conversation that you'd want to go back and say, you know, you patted me on my back and you said, good luck. But I went mm-hmm. forward and did what? What would you what would you say in that conversation to that doctor? You know, that it's it's something to think back to that moment because when I was sitting there going through it, it was like I was so tired. I I know I didn't want to fight him. I didn't say anything to him. I just politely got up and left that man's office. And I remember even walking out of his office. I walked to the wrong car. I mean, just out of it. I I was just mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have even been driving at that point. But knowing with all the knowledge that I have now, you know, working for an autoimmune disease association during the day and then having my own nonprofit, I would politely tell him to do his homework, to research more, to to, to dig a little deeper. Because clearly something was wrong. You know I have lupus. You know, get back in your books. Call a colleague. Phone a friend. You know, to get to the bottom of what's going on with me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a patient. I have, I'm a real person, I'm someone's daughter, I'm someone's niece. Get to the bottom of it. That's what my insurance is paying you for. You know, no one should, no patient, no warrior, no diva should ever fill, leave a doctor's office without them going that extra mile. And that doctor didn't go the extra mile for me. And I think by it being, you know, little old Tallahassee, that they felt like they could just pass you off and not educate themselves because they would always have patience. You know, and I just wish that some, well, and I'm sorry, I wish that all doctors and all specialists would treat patients like they would want their parents treated. I think that that would mm-hmm. change the game. That would change the, the dynamic of that patient or warrior diva specialist relationship. Because I, mean, I even hear it today, and, you know, a lot more, um, has has been um, lupus is a lot more known now, but of course we have a long way to go. And I still get phone calls from warriors and divas saying that their doctor has no idea. And I'm saying to myself, with all this Google that we have, and all these books, and all of these patients with lupus, they can pull from other lupus warriors. The f- physicians can, you know, they can pull from other lupus warriors. And um, be informed. You know, the, the warriors can tell them their stories. And so they can kind of get some feedback. Because I hear that some specials are missing the obvious, like, like the lupus rash. Mm-hmm. You know, that should, that should trigger something, like, my, like the doctor that diagnosed me. When she looked at my face, she knew something was wrong. You know, and I just wish that, and I don't want to say, because I would hate to think that a doctor is lazy. But I just need them to put a, a bit more pep in their steps when it comes to treating patients, not just lupus, but across the board. You know, just get to the bottom of it. 
Yeah, you would think because if everyone else can Google whatever, you would think that mm-hmm. if someone walked in and you saw something on their face that was clearly looked a little different, if you didn't know, yeah. you'd say, excuse me for a minute, and go out right. the hallway, right. uh, and, and, you know, and, then, and then come back, you know what, you know, or go yes, ask and, someone, and you know. Go ask, yes, mm-hmm. ma'am, give you your, um, give you your, your what, your, your doctor's copay, copay back for the day. <laughs> research it, <laughs> and that person come back in. Yes, ma'am. You know, to me, it's, it's unacceptable to say that you don't know as a specialist. It's unacceptable to say that that you don't know and to run further tests and to um, consult with your colleagues. That, that's unacceptable. You have a life. You know, we're more than numbers. You have a life in your hand. And so now so far, I was, what, 1,500 miles from home. My nearest family member was in Detroit, and I was in Tallahassee. You know that it's unacceptable. But yeah, I re- that's another day I remember like it was yesterday. He patted me on my back and told me good luck. There was nothing else he could do. You know, my kidneys were failing because when I when I returned back to Detroit, I had to start chemo. You know, so I was I was in a bad way when I came back to Detroit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so. I say now. Yeah, I know you went to school in Florida. You went. That's where you wanted to do your your business. Do you get back down to Tallahassee mm-hmm. from time to time? I was there. Yes, ma'am. I do. I was just there in February. Yeah, I hosted mm-hmm. an autoimmune disease forum in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. So I was there, and you just had a wonderful time. And it's so funny because when I was in school for four years, oh, I couldn't wait to graduate. Couldn't wait to leave. And now any chance you get, give me any small window when I go back to Tallahassee, I, I, mm-hmm. I always visit and go back. And while I was there, um, I was asked to join the Big Ben's Lupus Task Force. So now I'm also offering input into into lupus programs in Tallahassee. So that that's kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. Do you ever so that, like that also, you know? Because mm-hmm. you you said like. It's possible that the stress of being in, in at, at while you're at Florida A and M, the stress might have contributed. I mean, I wonder mm-hmm. if that is that something that some colleges, particularly colleges at like historic black colleges and universities and things, things that will have, might have a that maybe that should be something that they're aware of, so that if they do have a student who's presenting just with the fatigue, with all these things, because you would think how you would go to the doctor, you'd go back and forth mm-hmm. and back and forth, like that, and you're thousands of miles away from your closest family. So that university has a, a fiduciary responsibility, almost like a parent, that someplace there should be a resource on campus to where somebody just doesn't just like, here, take some antibiotics and we'll see you next weekend. Right. And you know what? That's, that's just it. I never visited the college campus's doctor. Mm-hmm. Since mm-hmm. I was still on my on my mom's medical insurance, I was under 25, I took that good old hat to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, 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 well, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I've never visited the campus, you know, even though, you know, of course it was included in, in our tuition, I never visited the campus um the campus hospital, but you brought up a very great point. Somewhere, you know, even if it's not require a required class, there should be some kind of stress management classes mm-hmm. in, in school. 
And see, I know my problem is that I've always done more than what was expected. So, I mean, really, essentially, I probably just ran myself crazy in college. You know, of course, I'm not making light of it. But honestly, mm-hmm. I probably just ran myself crazy because who would, you know, like I said, at one point I had three jobs and trying to go to school. But two with me, looking back, it was a mental thing because I didn't want to, you know how some students go away to college and they're do, you know, and they just party and hang out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be that student that flunked out of school. Now, you know, I've never had a problem with grades or classes. And if I could, I would do those four years all over again to do to have a balance. I didn't have a balance in school. All I did was go to school and work, mm-hmm. you know. And if, if there's one thing, you know, I don't have too many regrets or, you know, want do-overs in my life, but it would definitely be to go back to FAMU and do it all over again. But I got to have my four years. Got to have my four years. Because uh-huh. I didn't go to the to the football games and hang out after homecoming, and I think that's why I go back so much now because I'm trying to re, try to get those years back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I, I just think that. But and even before any student, whether they're going 15 miles from home or five miles, someone you know, it's, it's great to have someone to talk to about overdoing it and finding a balance. See, I, I like I said, I'm almost 40. I'm just finding a balance in my life. Just finding it because mm-hmm. I'm tired of overdoing it and winding up in the hospital. Because every time I go to the hospital, mm-hmm. they send me a bill. And, honey, I got, I got, you know, more to do than pay doctor's bills. I like to rip and run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I like to, I like fine dining. <laughs> so I'm going to put my money, mm-hmm. you know, not so mm-hmm. much on a doctor's bill. But mm-hmm. as long as, not just college students, but anyone. I think this is applicable to all all people. Just find that balance in your life. Don't just work yourself to death. Don't just study yourself to death. You know, we all need to find things that we enjoy and indulge in them. Like they say, you work hard, you play hard. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't get that memo, unfortunately. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't get that memo. But but you know, all things work out as as they should. And another thing about lupus is. Um, you know, I know my purpose in life. You know, I know some people that are double my age that are still searching for their purpose, or even my counterparts, you know, people that are my age are still looking for their purpose. The wonderful thing that Lupus taught me, it offered me a purpose. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that, eternally grateful. And it doesn't even feel like work because I love to help people. I love making that connection with people and helping them see beyond lupus to what their possibilities are in their life. You know, lupus is just a stumbling block. You know, we're going to get over it or we're going to go around it, but whatever you want to do in life can be done. So I just love encouraging people because people encourage me. You know, uh-huh. I've always been encouraged. And so as long as you have that faith and that hope and you can see that a glimmer of light at the end of the ton- tunnel, you're still in the game. Well, you have to um now, I remember when you were when you decided to become a flight attendant, your reasoning was that you said if lupus was going to attack you, you were gonna it was gonna mm-hmm. find you. Mm-hmm. What's on your bucket list? What are the things that, that you still say, you know what? I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that. What's on your bucket list? Of things the crazy just thing for is, sharing. Just, just for sharing. sharing. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing is I don't even have a bucket list. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't. Whenever I feel the need to do something I just do it. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just I just get up and do it. I just figure out a way to do it, and I just go for it. 
But no, I, I don't have a bucket. Now, some things that I want to do, I want to get to Egypt. Mm. I do want to get mm-hmm. to yeah. I do want. I do want to get to Egypt. But I, and I, I know that probably sounds weird, but I don't have a bucket list. I don't. I just figure it out and just go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm now, my immediate goal is to prayerfully um, soon, like tomorrow. You know, Lord, hear my cry is to have um, funding for Lupus Detroit so I can do it full time. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can, if that can have that happen at midnight, you know, thank you, Lord. But mm-hmm. I honestly don't have a bucket list. I just figure things out um, mm-hmm. because I always say that, you know, lupus wasn't planned. But as crazy it may sound, it's been the biggest blessing of my life because it, it's revealed who, mm. who I am and what I can withstand. So it's like the best things aren't planned. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, if I was flaring, you know, my my answer would probably be totally different. You know about being a blessing, but it has totally mm-hmm. it has been a blessing in, in my life because, I mean, not with just me, but it's united my friends and family. You know, trouble unites, and also mm-hmm. makes other people. It also shows other people what they were made of. Because, like you said, by, by me being out here, I've always been a, a person that had you know a, a lot of friends. You know, a lot of associates, a lot of friends, and some of my more timid friends. They've really stepped up and taken control of their lives because of what I've been through. Now, see, that's mm-hmm. the greatest blessing right there. To see people taking taking control of their lives and cultivating their life mm-hmm. and making moves. And you know, one of my girlfriends, you know, she she bought a house, you know, and I'm like, well, girl, you go ahead and buy that house, you know. But that was something that she would have never done. She said because I just encouraged her so much. Just by living my life. You know, you just got to live your life to the fullest. Because life is going to happen regardless. You might as well enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever now, one, it may be. Now, one of the things that you do, which which we share an interest, because I was just thinking today about the two novels. I need to put the finishing touches on. Um, yes. What are your two novels about? What are, what are you one writing of them, about? Oh. Now, one yeah, of them, yeah. of course, is um, with my with the lupus journey. And I mm-hmm. have been writing that one since oh two, but things will come up, you know, the flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Even at one point I call myself going back to school for nursing. Um, you know, moving down south, Lupus Detroit. So one of them um is is about the lupus journey. And I didn't start being because my friends just think my family said think I'm just so comical. I didn't become comical until I got sick. You know, I was <laughs> always you you know, 'cause you have to you have to laugh at yourself when you go from having a, a head full of hair, now you're down to three strands. You know, and mm-hmm. so, you know, laughter was a way and jokes and being funny, that was a coping mechanism for me. Because people, oh, you know, now people, oh, you're so, so funny, you need to write a, a coffee table book, ha, 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 he, 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 you, you know, that kind of thing. So now I'm going back through the book and just, a lot of it is um, Reliving it because a lot of the things you know I have forgotten, and I'm saying you know with the lupus and the lupus fog, I do forget a lot. Mm-hmm. So you know it's kind of funny to go back and reread and and edit and things like that. And then another one, it's like a Terry McMillan drama type deal. Ah, but, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I just kind of got both of the uh, bases covered. So yeah, that's see, that's what I want to live off on that money. I want to be a published author and be anonymous mm-hmm. and just do my my lupus, you know, lupus Detroit and live happily ever after. That that's the plan <laughs> for my life. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. ma'am. Uh-huh. You know, be able to take care of my family, 
you know, and just just live happily ever after, quietly supporting people, you know, supporting other people's goals and visions and dreams. I don't think I ask for much in this life. I don't. Mm-mm. I don't think I ask for a lot. I just want to be able to um, live healthy, full of joy, you know, and be and be kind of wealthy, kind of wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I can help other people with their goals and their dreams because people have definitely blessed Lucas Detroit. Last year's walk, and our third walk, we raised almost $25,000. Awesome. We had 800 people at our walk, 800 mm-hmm. people for an, an organization that doesn't even have a paid staff or or an office. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that those those facts are, are lost on a lot of people when they think of Lupus Detroit, but we don't have a, a paid staff or an office. But this is just for people have a love for people dealing with lupus, and that's awesome. You know, that that is so awesome that people just want to help. And it's always going to take the common folks like me to get her done. And, and that's what happened at last uh-huh. year's walk. You know, so you know, Lupus Detroit um, – it's, it's just a growing organization, and I, I do. I thank God that he chose me to go forth with it. You know, I'm, I'm obedient, so, so you know. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that it sounds like, you know, like you're doing, you're the heart, but you have a, a core of volunteers that are helping you move this forward. Yes, that, I have a board of directors. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sam. Yep, you got it. I have a board of directors, a very dedicated board of directors. It's so funny because initially I fought forming Lupus Detroit, mm-hmm. and one of my, well, she's now my secretary. She said, "No, she." She said, "You, you should really do it. You should really do it." And when I finally got set up at my the previous organization that I worked for because they had no interest in starting a fund, I remember saying to her, "Val, I'm ready." And everything just just kind of fell into place. And I remember my pastor once preaching a sermon called, It's in the house. Everything you need is in the house. Now, me trying to form this board and the scientific advisory board, I'm like, Lord, who is going to help me with this? Then he gave me the name of one of my um, best girlfriends from high school who's an accountant. So I asked her if she Mm. would be the treasurer. Of course I'll be your treasurer. Oh, Okay. I asked one of my girlfriends um, who was studying for a Ph.D. at Vanderbilt if she, would, if she has a medical background, biology. And I asked her if she would be my vice president. She said, of course I will. But she's the vice president. And mm-hmm. one of my um, friends who sees a, a promoter in, in the city, his aunt has lupus. So I asked if he would be like the events coordinator. He's like, of course. And I said, my God, that was so easy. I guess it really is all in the house, huh? But mm-hmm. then came for the medical advisory board. I asked my rheumatologist. He's like, of course I will. I asked the head of vasculitis Henry Ford. She said, of course I will. And I asked my dermatologist in Ann Arbor. She said, of course. So, I mean, really, I didn't face any opposition. Everything just came mm-hmm. together. And I said, you know, that's nothing but God. Everything just came together, uh-huh. even filing for the 501C paperwork. Of course, you know, I've heard the horror stories, how it takes sometimes two or three years for people to get their um, 501C3 status. It took me under a year. Uh-huh. Everything just came together. Everything was in the house. So that's how I knew that I was on to something. And truth be told, the only time when I have, quote, unquote, problems is when I get in the way. 
when I overdo mm-hmm. it. And I have to remind myself that, Sharon, if God offered you this ministry, he's going to make sure that all of the I's are dotted and all, the, all of the T's are crossed. You don't have to work that hard. Go to bed some nights before 3 a.m. Get some rest. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn everything around. See, in 2014, I was diagnosed with the shingles. That should have been a warning sign, right? Because shingles is brought on by stress. Mm-hmm. I would leave my day job. I would get home at about 5.30, eat a little something, take a nap, wake up at 10 o'clock, and be up until 6 a.m. the next morning. 6 a.m. Just researching, um, sending out inquiry letters, doing things for Lucas Detroit, updating the Twitter page, updating the Facebook page all night long. So my body gave out with shingles in 2014. Last year, 2015, was the stroke. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I'm tired <laughs> of, of well, you being know sick. What, and you know what? And it is. It's almost like, like those were... You become, listening to you talk, you become stronger because of it. But it was also almost like those were reminders to you that, okay, you said you wanted to do this and you asked and there there were these people. And then to let let them do their part, you know, that you have to, to let go and be you because if there's no you, you know, I mean, there's other things that you need to be doing and that part has to happen and you have to take care of you. And you've got a team, you know, yeah, that, that can grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but I appreciate you for saying that because that's what everyone mm-hmm. has, has told me. Just have a seat because mm-hmm. not to, I'm not a micromanager at all. But mm-hmm. as I said before, if, if God has given you a vision, he's going to see it to completion. You know, I can, you know, I can send out 50 emails about a particular subject, and he'll have me meet somebody in the street the next day, that can accomplish what I was trying to accomplish in those 50 emails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's all growth and a learning experience. But I just need to get out the way and just go so hard. Get some rest mm-hmm. at night. <laughs> you, you know, just trust, right, trust the process. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because it's, cause it's like, and, and I hear you saying that God has told you, I've got this. You know, this is what you're supposed to do. I've got this, and I'm going to send this all to you. And sometimes that, like you're, like you're saying, like, I have to remember. Sit down. <laughs> relax. You know, what's going to happen? You know? I just need to just relax. So just, what, just relax and everything. Mm-hmm. So what's next for Lupus Detroit? What's your, if you, for lack of a better word, if you have a strategic plan, what's the next thing mm-hmm. that um, people who are listening to this are going like, wow, this is great. How do we get involved, or what can we do, or what are you going to do next? What is the next, your next layer? The next plan is to have an actual physical building where our members mm-hmm. and their loved ones and anyone that's interested in learning more about lupus, where they can come and kick up their feet, and we can eat healthy snacks, you know, and just have our own little office space with um, an administrative assistant, and we can have the events person there. And then, and, excuse me, and an on-staff counselor, because that's very needed, you know. So a very resourceful on-staff on counselor to kind of guide our members through the whole disability process. 
you know, when they say that they need somewhere to stay. You know, they can pick up the phone and find a realtor or someone to assist them with whatever their need may be, you know. And Mm -hmm. for me to finally uh, do Lupus Detroit full-time where I'm not interrupted by a day job, that Lupus Detroit can have my, um, my, my full attention. So really mm-hmm. just to take lupus advocacy to the next level, get back out to D.C. to do some, some lobbying on behalf of lupus patients, get up to Lansing. You know, I've um, had one meeting with my senator to discuss some possibilities about a couple of ventures uh, for lupus warriors. But pretty much, and you know, people do, they want us to branch out. I've heard to Houston and Nashville, but I'm just so in love with Detroit. I'm just so in love. Mm-hmm. And I know not to put limits on God. And so if God says, well, I need for you to start a Lupus Houston or a Lupus Nashville, then so be it. But right now I'm just so dead set on my Detroit, my Metro Detroit Lupus Warriors, my Michigan Lupus Warriors, that I really want to get it done here first. You know, let's establish some, group, some roots here before I start branching out everywhere. But my immediate goal, and I'm, I'm claiming it um, for, for this year, for the next couple of weeks, you know, that we will have the resources, the financial means for an office. And, and you'll be one of the first person that, you know, that I, that I tell, because I don't think I've ever said that publicly, you know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. out loud on any media outlet. Because, you know, I tell you, you ask great questions, which no one's ever asked, you know. <laughs> but, um, but I really see that. I mean, honestly, no one has ever asked me that. A lot of these questions, you have wonderful questions. You know, because people usually ask, you know, well, what what is lupus, you know? But um, mm-hmm. you ask wonderful questions. So that is, I, I guess you could say that's my bucket list, just to get lupus Detroit in order, you know, to really okay. get out of God's way and get lupus Detroit mm-hmm. in order. And and I know that it's coming because I know that God didn't bring mm-hmm. us this far just to cease, just to make mm-hmm. it stop, just to cease and desist. So I know greater is coming for lupus Detroit and for lupus warriors in the area. I, I just know it without a shadow of a doubt. And the best way for people to stay up on what events or what's going on is through the website as it's lupusdetroit.org. Yes, lupusdetroit.org. Yeah, and, and also on there, there is a tab where you can sign up for our um, e-newsletter. And we mail that, that weekly. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you just drop your name and your email address, and it mm-hmm. comes to us, and we'll add you to our list. It's under the um, Need Assistance tab, and that's also where you'll find – no, no, it's on, under our Events tab. Yeah, you can leave your mm-hmm. contact information. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Both of them are um, Lupus Detroit, and also Instagram at Lupus Detroit. Um, we have an upcoming Lupus Luncheon. That's June the 25th at, at Vassal's. We're comedian H.B., Horace H.B. Sanders. He's in entertainment. His daughter is a lupus warrior. I had the pleasure of meeting mm. her this past Wednesday, this past Friday. You know, so he's mm-hmm. excited to, um, to to get involved. And, you know, we're just excited to have him. And our keynote speaker is Tanya Allen. She's from Detroit, and she's the creator of Forever Fresh. So she'll, you know, be encouraging mm-hmm. us and telling us that no matter our circumstances or what the doctors say, just pursue your dreams. Just go forward, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we're excited well, about well, that. You know I'm going to be promoting that. I'll be promoting it, and yeah. I will be there. Well, thank you. you. Know, thank you. you know, so I will definitely be promoting that, and I will definitely be there. I think what you're doing is is great. So I'm not going to keep you real long, but I would say now my if 
you were to meet someone, a young mm-hmm. person, much like you were when you when you first had your first flare up after college, and they were down, and you just wanted mm-hmm. to talk to them, or, or to or to family members who are looking at a family member who may have just received a diagnosis or they're doing that. What would you say to those to people who are warriors and to their families? First, I would hug the warrior because it's nothing like mm. a good hug, some some physical contact from a person that knows uh, what it's like because it's mm-hmm. scary. Oh, it's so scary. And I just talk to the warrior to see where they are in their journey with lupus and what is it that they're feeling because everyone has different feelings. You know, some people are angry. You know, some people are in denial, you know, about it. So really to see where they are on their lupus journey and just meet them at their point of need. And without the warrior there, I would speak to the family to let them know what I went through. You know, because I, I don't, wouldn't want to say it with the warrior in the room. I would, I would have, you know, like two separate meetings, you know, because I would want the warrior to be clean and honest and upfront with me because they may not want to say some things in front of their family they want to say to me that kind of thing. And just um, talk to the family, just tell them about my experiences and recommend books or websites that they can visit to kind of let them know what's to come with the warrior. But that conversation is always very difficult because everyone's different. You know, the warrior may, may flare for a month and then be okay and live happily ever after. Or they could be like me and have, you know, peaks and valleys with their health. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I will always reassure them that everything is going to be okay because it's always Mm. okay. No Mm -hmm. matter what comes, the warrior wins, no matter what comes. But you have to do your part. You have to play your part and eat healthy. And any opening in your body, guard it. You have to be very vigilant about what you watch on television, what you listen to, what you eat. And keep from being stressed out and really watch the company that you keep because people bring, you know, when when you're a sweet person like me and you just want to help everybody, people bring all their problems to you. You have to stop it at the door. Mm -hmm. You have to stop it. And like you said, it's self-care first. That's what's most important. But I will always leave them with, it's going to be okay. And it it will. You know, it's a a lot of, um, a lot of, changing your mind, changing the way that you think about a lot of things. You know, you can't change people. You have to accept what is. A lot of things, you have to pick your battles, too. That That's, you know, you can't be um, up in arms about everything, but you really have to value your health and pick your battles. But all, mm-hmm. all will be well. It's not a death sentence. And I tell you, I get around better than some of my quote unquote healthy friends. And you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. They will be a okay, but I'll definitely give them that hug because that's that's what a lupus warrior needs when they're initially diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Let them cry on my shoulder if need be. It is what it is, you know, because it is rough. Mm-hmm. But um, lupus is, is tough, but a warrior is, is much tougher. So I've got one last question. I'll tell you that one of the things that that you said that really touched me is like one of the things about my mother and that I missed the most about my mother 
is when things were wrong, I could crawl up in bed with her. And you said how you got in bed and your mother, you and your mother spooned and she warned you. Mm-hmm. How is your mother? My mother is, she is wonderful. My mother is a blessing. I don't think she realizes how much of a blessing um, she is to me. You know, a lot of children, you know, they can't wait for the day where they can leave their mama house. Oh, I don't want to stay with my parents. My mother, when I got sick, came and you mm-hmm. know, went to Tallahassee, got my big grown butt and brought me back to her house. <laughs> Didn't complain. Mm-hmm. You know, she ain't saying mama in word. Um, you know, I really didn't need, need my mother. You know, of course, you always need your parents. But I really didn't need, need my mother until I got sick. My mother never complained. Never, no, you know, she, I'm, I'm her child. Like she said, you uh-huh. can stay with me forever. You, you're my child. You know, my mother is just, she's a, she's a wonderful blessing to me. I mean, she really is. You know, we get along, and I said, "Mine." That's probably, probably, that's probably because you think I'm, I'm going to croak any moment. She said, "Don't say that." <laughs> you know, about me being sick. Mm-hmm. You think I'm going to croak any moment? That's probably why. But you know, just a blessing. And she, I aspire to be, to have the patience that my mother has. I, I don't have patience. You know, that, that's a, that's one of my shortcomings. I, I am that rambunctious Aries only child. I am that person. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. is now, now, mm-hmm. now, now, now. And my mom has so much wisdom. You know, she she's from Selma, Selma, Alabama, but she's seen a lot, mm. you know, and experienced a mm-hmm. lot. You know what? You know, she just really taught me pride, not just as um, a person, but as a black woman. That that pride, and you go after what you want, you know, because she she would explain to me back in her day. You know, it was always children were to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. But um, and in her own way, my mother encourages all this craziness that I have going on. I must say, she she encouraged. She said, "Lord, this this Detroit child, you know, this city girl. That's what she mm-hmm. calls the city girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, this this city girl." But but um, thanks for asking. My mother is wonderful, and she and she's a blessing. She is a mm-hmm. blessing. She's always there, very supportive. She and, and her sisters, and, and my grandmother had six girls and a boy, so all of them are are just phenomenal. You know, mm-hmm. just, I have a, a great family. I'm I'm very blessed. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, like you said, even though we always want to, oh, we got to go away and go and be grown and everything, but mm-hmm. there's something about that. There's just something about that. And when you were yeah. talking about that, I could, I could, I could close. I could see her holding you, and I know mm-hmm. what strength that gave you. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you you just give her a great big hug for me. <laughs> I will. I will. She will love it. I, I, I will. Yes. It's nothing like a mother's love. You know. It's nothing like a mother's That's right. love. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Well, Sharon, I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, like I said, I will promote everything that you do and make sure that you know. Thank I think you. that your work is important, and we need to have that space. We need to have that space yes. for people who are who are living with it, and um. And you're and you're a warrior. You're a warrior. You. You're an all. And I have much respect and love for you. And I'll see you in Thank June you. at the luncheon. Yes, ma'am. And Thank you so, so I'll much. Make sure that I know. Okay. Yes. But yes. I, I, I appreciate you. Know, you. Mm-hmm. No. Well, and I, I, I do. We'll I, I appreciate you. We'll put up all the links and stuff to that because. And periodically, if you have something, I'll share it on there so that people know, you know, you really need to go and do that. And it is. 
I know so many people who are like, oh, yeah, lupus, yeah. You know what? I know somebody who did it, somebody in my family, but we don't talk about it. And to talk about it from a place where you're at. Like mm-hmm. you said, this is what you were given, and and mm-hmm. and this is what you're doing. This is your assignment, and this is how you're living it. I mean, that's how we need to do it. You know, no more victims. It is, and we need to right. do it, and we're stronger as a community when we know about about lupus and we're there for each other. Yes, 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 ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I I appreciate the time and. Let me um, come into your space and speak about lupus, and I just hope that um, we reach folks tonight. And even if it's just one person, it's worth it. Well, you know, we didn't. You know, often we have people who call in. We had a number of people who were listening. You know, they didn't have questions, but I can understand. I wanted. I just wanted to hear what you had to say. But um, <laughs> there is a link to archiving where it's archived, where people can go back and listen to it. And like I said. Um, you are now part of the Can We Talk For Real family, and we lift up and support one another. And Thank you. You got me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm yes, so glad. And, and, and you got us, too. You got all the lupus warriors, too, because we're, we're very appreciative for you even considering lupus, you know, and, and just helping us advocate, because that's what's important. We have to save ourselves, you know. But they say people mm-hmm. perish because of the lack of knowledge. Well, we, you know, we, we don't fool, we don't see them. We can see them, so no one perishes. Mm-hmm. So we can all, mm-hmm. can, you know, go together. Yeah, learn together. Appreciate mm-hmm. you, and thank you so much. Okay, well, you go get some rest. And like I said, yes, I'll ma'am. see you in June. And again, okay, thank you so much good. for being on the show. Okay, no problem, and thank you, and have a good night. Okay, you too. Okay, so, folks, Bye-bye. that's our, so that's our show for tonight. Um, uh our thoughts are with Terry, whose mother uh, has taken, is having a little uh, physical challenge. But um, Terry, I hope your mom's doing better. Um, we care about you and your family. You know, you and I are the parents of it. We we mother this. Can we talk for real each weekend? Um, my thoughts are with you. Again, uh, next week we're going to be talking about veterans' issues. We're going to have one of our um, our past guest here, Craig, will be on. She's just coming from the OutServe conference, which is talking about veterans. So until next week, same time, same place, this is Michelle and for Terry Boy. Thank you for listening to Can We Talk For Real. Good night.